So I just got back from a uh, trip back east. I live in southern New Mexico these days, so getting back to the northeast where I'm from and where everyone in my extended family resides is quite um, a journey. And yeah, so it was no exception this time. Um, it was 10 days in New York visiting my family and in Vermont visiting my wife's dad and a lot of travel delays and just total exhaustion but now I'm back in sunny southern New Mexico and everything's beautiful I have a few more days off before I have to return to uh, work and it's been a while since I've recorded my thoughts on uh, the podcast and, uh, as usual, you know, the various topics that I could have chosen to discuss over the last several weeks are just piling up and not especially related to one another. Um, let me see here. So it's New Year's Eve 2017. So, uh, most people, I guess, are maybe doing some reflection and New Year's resolution type um, contemplation. And I don't always do uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm not uh, doing one this year. I hadn't really thought about it. But it is a time that I can't help but reflect, um, if only because it's an extended time off from work. It usually corresponds with trips to the homestead, which always provokes reflection of one sort or another. One of the things when I go home, I'm always um, hopeful that I'm going to uh, take in the experience and engage with people in a way that um, I end up not doing, which is to say I I always want to take advantage of those times at home because I only see my family once or twice a year. And what happens to me is I tend to get somewhat into a funk. Uh, some of it could be, you know, just the cross-country travel and then, you know, days and days of inadequate sleep. But some of it's just um, the disorienting aspect of just being uh, back in my hometown and around my, my mom and my siblings. Uh, my mother lives in my grandmother's house. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, and it was his mother who lived in this house, and we grew up, you know, just a block away, so I associate that house as being grandma's house, so just being in the house and around the property um, just brings back all kinds of memories that are usually dormant, and then, of course, just being around my mom and uh, my brother and sister and just seeing various photos that are around the house and basically it just uh, my mind just becomes flooded with associations and different neural circuits are activated that are usually dormant and it just messes with my whole 
um, I don't know, sense of self. I don't know what it is. And my generic or default reaction when anything's going on with me is to withdraw a little bit, withdraw and observe. And so I think from the outside, uh, from the perspective of the people around me, I'm just being quiet and disengaged. And again, that's that's not generally what I want to do when I approach these trips. I want to I want to be very on, very socially engaged, very connected with everybody and try to, you know, make up for lost time. And so that that rarely happens. It didn't really happen this time either, but um I don't really know what else to do except uh try to make an effort to keep the connections going when I'm not there, but via um, phone calls and emails and whatever else I can do. And uh, I guess the same goes for uh, connections closer to home. I'm a, a bit of a, a hermit these days, and I mentioned I'm, I'm living in southern New Mexico, and, and I'm not from here, and I've been, you know, every few years changing locations um, based on my wife's schooling or job or my schooling or job. And I haven't really set down um, a whole lot of social connections here yet. So I work at an elementary school as a counselor, and I'm really enjoying that. But, um, you know, there's a certain distance that I have from everybody there. Uh, I live, uh, I'm sorry, I work in a place that's predominantly women, predominantly Latina women who are from the Southwest and um, most of whom are younger than I am. So it's just, um, uh, there's just a lack of uh, familiarity, a lack of things in common. And, um, you know, I've got a couple of friends here, but, you know, we're all adults and um, people have kids and family. So it's, it's hard to have uh, friendships the way that I did when I was younger and wasn't sort of bogged down and into um, full-time jobs and that sort of thing. So, you know, I want to make some kind of effort. I thought about maybe joining a Zen center in the area because uh, I've been getting back into meditation a little bit lately and just, you know, just practicing more often and but, you know, every time I go down that road, I look on a website. I'm just, I'm not a joiner. I'm not, um, I just, uh, something about joining a group like that makes me uncomfortable. So I backed away from that. Um, and then there's this, you know, there's just trying to take advantage of the technology and putting more effort into my podcast and making connections on social media. So we'll see what happens, but that's just my general uh, outlook for the year is maybe focus a little bit more on connection. Um, let's see what else do I got here? Um, you know, for those who are not familiar, um, one of the main themes of what I'm doing here is, uh, not just trying to live a meaningful creative life, but just living to the full. I've been really obsessed with that. Um, that's where the phrase head the gong comes from. And, um, 
a lot of needless suffering has been induced in me, you know, always uh, comparing myself to a hypothetical version of myself who is living totally to the full and uh, chastising myself for coming up short in that regard. And um, a few things um, on that front that have been interesting that I've just uh, watched or read about uh, a couple things. There was a documentary called Chasing Bubbles. Um, it's been a couple of weeks now since I watched. It was recommended by Chris Ryan, um, the guy that does the Tangentially Speaking podcast, which I really like. Um, so it's a, it's a documentary about a guy, I believe his name was Alex Rust, and he was some sort of day trader living in Chicago, I believe, and he made some decent money for a couple of years, but he's just a, a guy that wasn't really content with um, the conventional lifestyle. And he just uh, bought himself a sailboat and n not really knowing anything about sailing. In short time, he, um, he managed to sail around the world and have this... Um, this adventure where he, you know, he was picking up folks along the way who were sort of kindred spirits. And he had this amazing, um, I think it was about a three year journey around the world. And it was inspiring in the sense that this guy was really living his life to the full. Um, again, it's a documentary, so you, you're, it's edited and you're seeing, certain scenes and it of course makes it look like um it's this super intense non-stop uh, carpe diem type of thing where of course you're not seeing the days and days of boredom being out at sea and whatnot but it, it was pretty inspiring but the thing that uh, really stuck with me about it um spoiler alert um is uh when he was done with the trip how quickly he just became discontent and um, lost and depressed again. And after having that, you know, amazing experience, just the idea of just kind of living a regular life and going back to work, um, you know, by comparison was just uh, such a downer. And I, I won't spoil any more of it, but um, it just uh, sort of made me reflect on on this idea that um, if you do, if you have lived, you know, to the full or had a very intense run for a time and that time comes to an end, I, you know, I always wonder, is it any easier in the present or is it harder? You know, someone who, um, you know, say they were in a band like I was and instead of not making it, you know, was signed to a record contract and went on an amazing journey and had all these great experiences, but then that comes to an end and then all of a sudden you're in your mid to late forties like I am and you have a bunch of stories, but your life, your present life, maybe by comparison is, is lame and you have a sense of, um, living in the past. Whereas some, you know, you could, have not had that experience and be living with regret. So I don't know. I mean, I think having thought about it, obviously not everybody's like this uh, Alex Rust 
character, but he, uh, I, I think it's, it's about how living in the moment or living full on, uh, how it changes you or constitutes you as a person. You know, if you're living in line with your values and intentions, you're going to become uh, psychologically, neurologically, spiritually a certain type of person, and that um, that momentum is going to, you know, carry forward. So that um, you know, I imagine, say Henry Miller, who um, seemed to live this way his whole life, even in, you know, into his late eighties, you know, he may not have been jet setting around the world when he was in his eighties, but he still had this sense of being on the edge of the current moment, um, regardless of the restrictions. And I would imagine to the extent you're able to live in line with your intentions and values, it's going to you're going to have a different brain. You're going to have a different day-to-day life because living that way um, will just shape you into uh, being a certain person that you're not going to be if you're, you know, ignoring or running away from your your deepest intentions and values and so forth. So um, another thing that I, that I watched, some of you may have seen the Jim and Andy, the Jim Carrey documentary that's on Netflix where it, um, it kind of goes through the ride that he had when he, he did the Man uh, man on the Moon movie and sort of um, became Andy Kaufman while he was on the set. And again, um, you know, in one sense, uh, yeah, you think as, a, as an actor and an artist, Jim Carrey was really living to the full and going sort of all out. Um, and so he was doing that, which, you know, I aspire to do, but at the same time, you know, part of me when I was watching that documentary was thinking in a way he was just being an annoying douche. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's the better for it or if it was some sort of weird, compensation or ego thing that drove him to do it or it's hard to say when you're looking at someone else's experience I do like Jim Carrey as wacky as he is I do think he's somebody who's very authentic and has lived courageously and um but anyway that was a an interesting documentary as well from this perspective of you know what's it like to live life to the full um, another thing in that vein that uh, I listened to while I was traveling, um, aside from the Tangentially Speaking podcast, another ad-free, long-form, um, interesting one is Sam Harris's Waking Up podcast, and uh, Sam had a guy that I'd never heard of named A.J. Jacobs on the podcast um, talking about Jacobs's various... Um, books that he's written and he's one of these guys Jacobs that has you know he does these life experiments where he'll dedicate 
large amounts of time to a given project and then write about it. So he was mentioning, you know, at one point he read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica from A to Z and then wrote about that experience. Um, he's got a book about um, living, I believe, for a year exactly by the Bible, word for word. Um, like, liter- if you, you know, if you took the Bible to be the literal truth and lived by every principle to the letter, um, he, he tried that on for size. And of course, this is a, a married guy who's got a function in the world. So it's, uh, it's interesting to, um, to commit that fully to a life experiment. I mean, if you're thinking in terms of resolutions, I mean, this is a resolution to the extreme. Um, and he, uh, he did some other things like, um, he was interested in healthy lifestyle. So he lived for a year or two, um, really transforming his life and exercising and eating in a, a very, uh, prescribed way and wrote about that. Another interesting thing he did, he was, he was interested in the radical honesty movement, which I've never heard of, but I guess it's just based on the idea that, you know, you should never lie, no white lies, no anything, and just be full on honest and broadcast everything that goes through your head, the moment it goes through your head, no filter. And he lived that way for a long period of time and talked about you know, the various predicaments he got in. So again, it was just, um, when you think about what it might be like to live life to the full, this guy, at least for periods of time, ran some of those experiments and and talked about it on the podcast. And it it was pretty interesting. And again, it's hard to know because you're getting it secondhand and edited version. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's heartening in one sense that these various people, and others have have tried to live this way, um, and um, you know you can sort of in a secondhand vicarious way glean some of the insights and see what that means for your own life. As we all try to you know live fully and authentically to the extent that we can. Um, let's see what else has been interesting me lately. Uh, an- another Sam Harris podcast that was interesting is that he uh he talked about the latest in the science of meditation and mindfulness with uh, meditation researcher richie davidson and um author daniel goleman and they sort of went through a lot of the the latest in the in the field in terms of you know the benefits of mindfulness and meditation a lot of that stuff i already knew one of the interesting points of the discussion for me was um, when they were talking about some of the downsides of um, the mainstream um, acceptance of mindfulness, at least in the United States, where it's it's really looked at as a, a way to, you know, be more healthy and be more productive, but it's sort of stripped of some of the ethical and spiritual components and you know there's a lot lost there in um, not really 
understanding meditation and mindfulness as the radical um, technology for changing your, you know, entire perspective of the self. And um, one of the ways um, that that Harris and Davidson were saying that um, that they can change this and really invoke a different sense of of a mindfulness practice or a meditation practice is this idea that when you're doing the practice um, from a Buddhist perspective, uh, a lot of practitioners are focused on doing the practice for others, which is a little bit um, counterintuitive, like that you would meditate eight hours a day and spend all this time uh, rewiring your own neurology and developing your brain and body and spirit and mind and that you're not doing that with a focus on improving yourself for the sake of enjoying a more intense or more clear-headed life but you're doing it in the service of others because you know with a clear mind and clear heart and um, open focus you're better able to to serve others you're you're going to be more useful you're you know if you realize your potential then you're gonna contribute to the world in a more um, full way the, the relationships with the people around you are going to improve, you know, so I was thinking in my case, um, always having that focus on meditating because it's going to make me more enlightened or, you know, I'm going to realize my own personal potential uh, can be a bit of a hang up. And that just to add that dimension where, where I would recognize that the, the meditation is not just about me, it's going to make me a better school counselor, it's going to make me a better husband, a better son. It's going to enable me to more fully and openly connect with other people. And so not just make my life better, but everyone I interact with is going to benefit from the 20 minutes a day or however long I, I do the, uh, I do the meditation practice. So anyway, that's just uh, a few thoughts that I've had um, since really all I did was go home and listen to, you know, hours and hours and hours of podcasts, I don't really have much else to talk about except, uh, <laughs> except those podcasts that I, that I listened to. And, uh, I literally couldn't listen anymore. I mean, I was, had so many travel delays and was stuck on a plane and, uh, or in the airport for so many hours and listened to so many hours and hours of podcasts that I just... I couldn't take another second of it, but it was interesting in a lot of ways. And also, um, you know, I have a, a certain temperament, I guess, and I, I love, like I mentioned, tangentially speaking with Chris Ryan and Sam Harris, his Waking Up podcast. And another one I listen to a lot is Joe Rogan's podcast. And all three of these, with the exception of Rogan, are ad-free and, and Rogan, he just starts out the first five or eight minutes reading nothing but ads right up front. 
and then he goes on to have a you know two and a half or three hour uninterrupted discussion with his guest so you can just easily skip to like minute six and never hear an ad and uh, Sam Harris and Chris Ryan they don't do ads either I've really gotten used to that and then when I go from that to listening to a podcast that's highly produced or that has ads it's it's jarring um, my wife likes a lot of the NPR um, podcasts and some of them you know they're interesting like Radio Lab. I listened to a couple episodes of that but I find the the production to be distraction, distracting and just unnecessary. Like they do all these sound effects and drum beats and they edit, um, I guess, to make it more interesting. Or, But to me, it just takes away from it. I, I'm wondering, like, you know, who's getting paid to do all this editing and this sound effect stuff? I mean, it's just uh, that person's salary, in, in my mind, is just not justified. That I would even prefer they just sat and talked about whatever they're talking about and just dispensed with all that. And, uh, you know, of course, then there's the begging for money and the, the advertising, basically, and all of that stuff. When you take it out of your life for a while, it's very jarring when you get re-exposed to it. I found that, you know, the same with sports for me. I virtually have stopped paying any attention to professional sports with the exception of soccer, which is the sport that I played. And um, one of the things about soccer that's nice is once you turn on the game, it's just 45 minutes, you know, the per half. And it's not interrupted by any commercials. It's just continuous play that it's over. You have 15 minutes of halftime, and then you have another 45 minutes with no commercials. And again, if you get used to that as your, you know, your one sports indulgence, and then you try to go back to watching an NFL football game or a, a basketball game where there's just tons of commercials and timeouts, and um, so virtually, you know, every few minutes you're being bombarded with advertisements. It's um, it's really unbearable. Like I, I just can't do it. And, uh, I've become, yeah, ridiculously sensitive. I'm sure to an annoying degree when it comes to that, you know, I'm, I'm the guy, you know, in the airport, I can't sit anywhere where there's a CNN going on. Cause it's just, um, I don't know. It just, it's grating to me. It's, it's hard for me to blot it out and not pay attention to it. So, Anyway, I'm I'm starting to ramble at this point, but um, that's all I've got. I just wanted to touch base and uh, go into the new year on a positive note. So connection, that's going to be my sort of theme, and um, hopefully I'm able to continue to build some momentum with my creative projects, including this, and that's all I got. I hope everybody out there or the one person out there, or um, as I always say, just myself when I listen to this, um, maybe later on, um, has a good new year and, uh, and all that stuff. So until next time, take care.